Imagine it's 1973. You are 27 years old and you decide to take part in a fasting experiment in Scotland. Your starting weight, 456 pounds. Throughout the entire period of the fast, all you get to drink and take is water, vitamin supplements, yeast for the first 10 days, and some potassium. Your ending weight is 180 pounds, so your total weight loss is 276 pounds. The amazing part of this is that you just set a world's record for the longest fast, 382 days. This actually happened. As you may or may not know, you definitely do not have to fast this long to reap the amazing benefits. In today's podcast, we're going to be talking all about fasting, and you won't want to miss it. Welcome to the Low Carb Leader Podcast, a podcast focused on optimizing health and performance through a low-carb lifestyle. Every episode will bring you a step closer to living an amazing low-carb life. Come join us for this exciting journey. And here is your low-carb leader and host, Dan Perryman. Hello, and welcome to the Low Carb Leader Podcast. I am your host, Dan Perryman, and you have joined me for episode 87. Today, we're going to be talking about fasting. Everybody that goes into the keto circles and the low carb circles is curious about fasting because everybody is talking about it. You know, fasting is actually one of the kind of scientifically proven ways to become healthier. And in today's episode, I'm going to be talking more from a modern medicine perspective compared to the alternative medicine circles. Because in the keto and low carb world, we spend a lot of time kind of outside the fringe of modern mainstream medicine. So I think this is going to be a very interesting episode because there's a lot of research around fasting. To help you out, I created a little resource. You can find it at thelowcarbleader.com slash fasting. And this will kind of help you plan a fast and possibly give you some things to think about. So you can just check that out at thelowcarbleader.com forward slash fasting. Let's get started with fasting. So I think the best way is to talk about some boring history of fasting. It's actually not that boring. You never know. You might learn something. I did. Okay, so here's a few uh, historical facts. Fasting has been used for thousands of years, and it's actually one of the oldest therapies in medicine. Not eating is one of the oldest therapies in medicine. Many of the great doctors of ancient times and many of the oldest healing systems have recommended this. Hippocrates, as we all have heard about, who was the father of Western medicine, believed fasting enabled the body to heal itself. Ayurvedic medicine has long advocated fasting as well, and devotees have actually said that it brings physical and spiritual renewal. Even back in the primitive cultures, a fast was often demanded before going to war or as part of a coming-of-age ritual. So fasting has been involved in so many things. Religions, lastly, all the great religions of the world use fasting. Judaism has several annual fast days, including Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, 
An Islam Muslim fast during the holy month of Ramadan, they go, I believe, without food or water during daytime. And Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodoxy observe Lent, which is a 40-day fast. So you can see fasting has this rich tradition and history of bringing healing to the body, to the soul, to the spirit. What I find really interesting about it as well is that fasting has become more and more popular in recent years, but I don't think it's, it was really utilized too much, maybe in some medicinal circles, but definitely not in the general public as it is today. All right, so that's the history of fasting. I just covered 5,000 years in two minutes. Not bad. Okay, next I want to talk about some myths and some facts about fasting. From this point forward, I'm going to, I'm going to use research from kind of the mainstream circles of medicine. So myths and facts about fasting. So clinical dietitian Victoria Pena Acuna addresses some of the most common myths and facts. There is a lot of confusing information out there, and hopefully this will clear up um, some of those misconceptions. Number one, fasting puts your body in starvation mode. Myth or fact? It's a myth. Uh, the human body is actually designed for short periods of fasting. If you go back and look at you know, our ancestors, they didn't eat all the time. If you looked into the paleo way of eating at all, you will know that it was, it was feast or famine. This, there was not kind of how we eat today. There's food abundance everywhere. Go and hunt down your food and you eat it, and then you may go who knows how much time before you actually eat again. Number two, fasting increases stress levels. Myth or fact? This is actually a myth too. Short-term fasting does not actually place stress on the body. I think it does place a little bit of positive stress, but fasting can actually help keep your cortisol levels low, which helps regulate your immune system, maintains blood pressure, metabolizes fats, which is a good thing. Number three, fasting makes it difficult to focus. Fact or myth? That is a myth. The data shows this, that people are much more clear. There was a study of school-aged children. The control group, they let eat breakfast. The fasting group did not eat breakfast. And the scores were much better for those children that were fasting. Number four, fasting improves toleration of carbs and sugars. Myth or fact? Fact. Well, fasting, your body uses insulin much, much more efficiently. And it can actually reduce blood sugar levels, which is awesome. Number five, fasting can improve long-term brain health. Myth or fact? Fact. There's a lot of research around brain health, and I'll be talking a little bit about that later as well. That's very exciting what they're researching with Alzheimer's and dementia patients. Number six, fasting can clear your skin. Myth or fact? Just like proactive, uh, fasting can work. Fasting can clear your skin. It, it helps detox your body, which helps clear up your skin. Number seven, fasting can help in weight loss. Myth or fact? Fact. Great for weight loss. It's great for breaking through plateaus. Number eight, fasting can benefit your heart. Myth or fact? Absolute fact. Uh, there's a lot of research around that. It's shown to decrease blood pressure, increase insulin sensitivity, increase heart rate variability, which is really good for you, decrease cholesterol levels. So a lot of good things happening there. And the reason I wanted to go through these myths and these facts is because I know personally over the last Several years, I have fasted a lot. And, you know, I had a prior career as a hospital CEO. And so I would be in a lot of business lunches and business dinners. And a lot of times I wouldn't eat. 
I actually spent a lot of time explaining fasting, but I would always hear the same things over and over from people, from friends and family, that fasting isn't good. It's not, it's uh, it's bad for you. You're going to put your body in starvation mode. It's going to screw up all your health indicators. And that stuff is absolutely incorrect. And that's why I always do say, if you have to fast, fast privately. And that way you don't have to explain yourself to people. Okay, so next we're going to be talking about the different types of fasting and the associated benefits with it. Because I think it's really important to understand and kind of internalize these benefits while you're fasting because it provides motivation. Because continuing your fast always isn't easy. Looking back at these benefits um, is a great way to kind of encourage you to continue your fast. Let's talk about extended fast first. So when I talk extended fast, I'm talking three plus days of fasting. And one of the top benefits of this is autophagy. And Thomas Seafried, who's a PhD, and he published a groundbreaking treaty entitled Cancer as a Metabolic Disease on the Origin, Management, and Prevention of Cancer. And he says that extended fasting can be a potent weapon against cancer. And so he recommends doing a five to seven day water only fast once a year in an attempt to prevent cancer. You definitely want to check him out. He's on YouTube. He's all over the place, but he has some great videos on extended fasting and all the benefits. And it's actually very encouraging watching him. So autophagy is basically cellular cleansing. And I talked with Dr. Jason Fung in the past about autophagy and you start reaping the benefits of autophagy within say 24 hours, but the benefits max out at 72 hours. And I've actually experienced this myself by ketone levels at the 72 hour mark of a fast, my ketone levels soared, which I don't think there's a real measure of being in autophagy, but autophagy begins when the body doesn't have any food. So the idea is when you're always feeding yourself, your body really never has to do this autophagy process because it always has incoming energy. So when you have energy coming in all the time, your body does not have to do this autophagy process. But when you stop bringing in energy, stop bringing in food, then your body will turn inward and start looking at defective cells, defective proteins, all this stuff that really shouldn't be in your body. And it will start tearing it apart and recycling it. And so you can already put the pieces together and you can kind of see why Dr. Seafried and others will say that this is a really good preventative measure against cancer. And scientists say that it's not only getting rid of the waste, but it's creating new building blocks that can be used for cellular function. So it's the world's best recycling program. It can also be triggered from high intensity exercise and other factors, but these processes kind of pale in comparison to fasting. So studies show that autophagosomes, which are created when you fast, increase by 300% after 24 hours of fasting, while rising a further 30% after 48 hours. So this study says after 48 hours, it reaches its peak, and others say the third day it reaches its peak. So either way, you're peaking out at two to three days, and you're getting these amazing benefits of autophagy. So in addition to autophagy, other benefits, your insulin levels, blood levels of insulin drop significantly, which facilitates fat burning. Remember, your insulin is your fat storing hormone. So when insulin is high, you're not going to be burning fat. So you fast, 
your insulin drops, you start burning fat. Human growth hormone increases as much as five-fold when you're fasting. And higher levels of this hormone facilitate fat burning and muscle gain. I'm going to talk about this later. Fasting and working out is a, is a very potent combination. So this whole idea, this whole field of epigenetics now, where there are certain things that genes forecast or express, a large percentage is based on this epigenetics, which means like a, above genetics, where it's what you do. So if we have the same genes and I am working out and fasting and eating healthy and you're smoking cigarettes and eating terrible food and you know, uh, drinking alcohol to excess, our genes are going to express themselves in different ways. And what they're finding, which totally makes sense, right? Totally makes sense. So what they're finding is that fasting has really positive gene expression attributes to it. It also reduces insulin resistance, inflammation, which is like the leading cause of every chronic disease, has shown to possibly improve heart health, and it's great for the brain. So related to brain health, several studies in rats have actually shown that intermittent fasting may increase the growth of new nerve cells. And one of the most exciting areas is that it increases the brain hormone BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotropic factor. And deficiencies in this have been implicated in depression and various other diseases. So increasing your BDNF, there's a lot of research around that right now. So that's, that's uh, very exciting in the world of, of brain health. And there's a lot of research now around fasting and Alzheimer's and dementia, and, but a lot more research has to be done in that area. And then lastly, longevity. Longevity, they did studies in rats, and they were quite dramatic. The control cohort was rats who ate all the time, and they put the other group of rats, and they fed them every other day. Their longevity was 83% higher. So the the fasting rats lived 83% longer than the ones who ate all the time. That's incredible. Again, we weren't designed to eat all the time. That's, that's a very recent phenomenon where food is available 24 hours a day. And now with Postmates and Grubhub and all that, we don't even have to leave the house to eat. And earlier I mentioned extended fasts. You know, extended fasts can be done in many different ways. You can do water only fast. You can do bone broth. You can do some with electrolytes. You can do some with black coffee or black tea. You can do fast with, you know, exogenous ketones. There's there's several, several ways of doing extended fasts. And, you know, there's a lot of discussion on these boards, these uh, keto boards and fasting boards. And there's there's always this argument about what constitutes a pure fast. You know, my opinion on that is, you know, water only does does constitute a pure fast, which is interesting because now there's some people that are starting their water only fast with a dry fast, which means they, for one day or maybe even pushing it a little bit longer, and I've actually never tried this, they don't drink any water. And some say that there's like a, a pure dry fast and a non-pure dry fast. And so there's even... There's even camps now with dry fast. So a like a total dry fast, a pure dry fast would be where you don't wash your hands, you don't shower, you don't have any water whatsoever on you for that really short period of time. And then the other water fast is where you just don't drink anything, but you can take a shower. So it, 
moral of this story is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the topic people are going to divide themselves in other camps. And I think this is really bad because people that are starting into keto and low carb and fasting, you know, they start reading these boards and everybody has an opinion and, and they get overwhelmed. And then instead of starting, they're like, this is just way too complicated for me, which is unfortunate. My takeaway is do what type of fast works for you. If you're not an extended type of faster, which a lot of people aren't, it's hard. I've done two five-day water fast and it's hard. Five days is a long time without food. And I know like Jimmy Moore in the past has done like 30-day fasts or even longer. And, you know, he'll use bone broth and a few other things, but it's hard. It's hard mentally, physically, and socially because you really can't socialize when you're doing an extended fast because it's just difficult. If you're going to try an extended fast, you know, do one that works for you. Don't listen to other people. Uh, you know, pick pick one person that makes sense to you and then try that. Don't go onto a board and say, what type of fast should I do? Because you're going to get a million opinions. So that's that's my personal take on that. If you don't want to do an extended fast, then probably the best thing to do is start with intermittent fasting. And there are numerous variations of how you can do an intermittent fast. Probably the easiest is just skipping breakfast. So you eat your last meal at seven o'clock and then the next day you skip breakfast, eat around noon or one or whatever time, and then you've gone 15 hours, 16 hours without eating every day. And if you're keto or low carb, it's a it's pretty easy actually just to skip breakfast. A lot of people will naturally skip breakfast. A lot of people will actually be fasting and not even be thinking about it. So that's kind of the the lean gains I think came out with the 168. So it's 16 hours fasting, 8 hours eating. So it's eating within a certain window of time. So if you ever see fasting like 16/8, that's what that means or 20/4, that means 20 hours of fasting and 4 hours of eating. But you can do this any way you want. If you want to eat within a four-hour window, a two-hour window, an eight-hour window, a 12-hour window, do what works for you and do what works for your schedule. So if dinner time is very important uh, to your family, then don't skip dinner, skip another meal. I mean, just that's just common sense, right? So that's kind of the intermittent fasting window time. You can do alternate day fasting where you, you eat regular one day and you reduce your calories the next day. This is where they saw the longevity in the mice I was talking about earlier. You can eat one day, not eat the next day. It's, it's whatever, whatever you wanna do. You could eat one day and skip a meal the next day. It's all up to you. I, I, I just keep repeating that, it's all up to you. You can eat one meal a day. I know people who do that. I know people who fast during the week and then they eat whatever they want on the weekends. So one piece of advice is that you either want to be eating or fasting. When I eat, I eat till I'm satiated because I eat keto most of the time. And when I fast, I just don't eat. Sometimes I will use bulletproof coffee. So that's another alternative is a fat fast where you might have a drink, uh, bulletproof coffee in the morning and then, then you eat at lunch. So you're kind of doing a modified fast with fat. You do not, absolutely do not want to be where you're reducing your calories every single day because you're going to lower your metabolism, especially, especially if you're eating 
kind of the standard American diet. If you're eating keto and you reduce your calories, your body maintains muscle a lot better because you're, you're burning ketones. So you can actually reduce your calories and not really mess with your metabolism too much if you're eating keto. But if you're eating the standard American diet where you're eating carbs all the time and you just start reducing your calories, you're going to really slow down your metabolism. So don't do that. So it's much better just to eat and to fast. Use that combination. Back to uh, mainstream medicine, Harvard Health uh, reported that researchers from the University of Alabama conducted a study with a small group of obese men with prediabetes. And they took these two cohorts and they compared a form of intermittent fasting called early time restricted feeding, where all meals were fit into an early eight hour period of the day, so 7 to 3 p.m., or spread out between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. One group ate eight hours during the day and the other one ate 12 hours during the day. Both groups maintained their weight, but after five weeks, the group that only ate for eight hours had dramatically lower insulin levels and significantly improved insulin sensitivity, as well as lower blood pressure. And the best part, the eight-hour group also had significantly decreased appetite, so they weren't starving. So what this study showed is an eight-hour eating window is better than a 12-hour eating window. And that makes sense because you're giving your body four more hours a day of not eating and to have lower insulin levels and to just be taking a break. But as I just talked about, if you're starting fasting and 12 hour fast is much, much better than not fasting. So don't, don't listen to the study and then say, well, I got to do eight hours of eating. No, do whatever works for you. And then as you get accustomed to fasting, you can actually start fine tuning it a little bit. In addition, metabolic expert, Dr. Deborah Wexler, who is associate professor at Harvard Medical School, said there is evidence to suggest that the circadian rhythm fasting approach, which we just talked about, where meals are restricted to an eight to 10 hour period of the daytime is very effective. So now you have Harvard professors saying that fasting is effective. A question that always comes up is who shouldn't fast? There's a lot of debate about who shouldn't fast, and I am not a clinician. So if you're questioning whether you should fast or not, talk to your physician. That's probably what you should be doing anyway before you embark on fasting. So people with advanced diabetes or who are on medication for diabetes, people with a history of eating disorders like anorexia or bulimia, pregnant or breastfeeding women should not attempt fasting unless closely supervised by their physicians. And that makes sense. That makes sense. Or if your weight is really low, if your weight, if your BMI or your body fat percent is extremely low, you might want to talk with your doctor before you start fasting. If there's any doubt in your mind why you shouldn't fast, it's best to get a physician's clearance anyway. So Dr. Mercola, who I believe has the biggest blog in the world, is all about fasting and workouts. So this is what he has to say about it. When you exercise while fasting, it essentially forces your body to shed fat. As your body's fat-burning processes are controlled by your sympathetic nervous system, and your sympathetic nervous system is activated by exercise and lack of food. He also says exercise and fasting together also yields acute increases in oxidative stress, which actually benefits your muscles. 
Lastly, he says you can get many of the same benefits of fasting and exercise by exercising first thing in the morning before breakfast when your stomach is empty. And I do know a lot of people who fast and work out. I always do. And you would think that you would not have the energy or you would you know, not be able to lift the amount of weight that you used to when you were eating carbs all the time. And this is not true. If you're in a ketogenic state, you actually are preserving muscle as you work out. And I have experienced this when I am ketogenic, when my ketones are high, I've actually been using exogenous ketones as a pre-workout. And I noticed that I have retained muscle a lot better. And I, and I know this for a fact because I did two amateur physique shows and I was high carb during those cuts and I lost a ton of muscle, a ton of muscle. Being ketogenic and fasting, the muscle sparing effect is, is much, much more positive. All right. This is a great topic. I hope you are enjoying it. It is uh, coming to a close. I just want to talk a few moments about what are some tips for successful fasting. So first of all, plan your fast. As I mentioned earlier, you can check out this free resource. It's just a short little blog. It's about how to plan your fast. You can find it at the lowcarbleader.com forward slash fasting. And a lot of people overlook the planning part. And I think that's, that's a real important part too being successful. Definitely be low carb if possible. So before you go into a fast, being low carb or ketogenic, it makes the fast way, way easier. And I know that people who are typically in the ketogenic circles, if they have a cheat meal, they'll fast to get back on track. And that I think that's a really good strategy. If you're not ketogenic, you pro first of all, if you're not ketogenic, you're probably not implementing fasting as much. But if you're eating the standard American diet and you decide that you want to get back on track, you need to get keto adapted. You need to get uh, low carb adapted first. You need to start burning fat and then fast. So don't go from eating McDonald's, you know, three times a day for a year and then decide that you're going to fast because it's going to be very, very difficult and probably unsuccessful. You know, make sure that you take electrolytes. That's really important. You know, a lot of people get the keto flu or while they're fasting, they'll just feel terrible and, you know, just salt, salt your food and just general electrolytes will make that much, much better. Uh, the next, and I mentioned this briefly earlier, don't tell anybody you're fasting. And this is, this is just a way to make it more successful because people find out you're not eating and then they start asking you a million questions and telling you why it's bad. And they can actually plant doubt in your mind. And once that doubt is planted, then you start getting really hungry. And it's a lot easier just to say, you know what? I don't know if this fast is really doing me any good, so I'm just going to stop it. So uh, plan your fast around uh, where you don't have to be in social engagement. You you're definitely not don't fast during somebody's wedding. Don't fast during you know the Christmas season or whatever. Just make it easy on yourself. And then lastly, there's times where you're fasting and you just don't feel it, right? So I have, I have started on several five-day water fasts and two or three days in, I just felt like crap. And I stopped the fast because, you know, there's one thing, it's like working out, you know, there's, there's a good type of pain and then there's a bad type of pain. It's the same thing with fasting. There's there's an okay type of hunger. I wouldn't say it's a good type of hunger, but there's an okay type where 
you know, you kind of have energy, you're hungry, you'd love to eat something. And then there's the type of hunger and headaches that you're just kind of sick. And, you know, just sometimes it's just not the right time to fast, right? And definitely if you're, if you have a lot of stress in your life, it's not a good time to fast either because it's just going to be too hard. If you're stressed out at work and then you try to add fasting to that, that's going to be very, very difficult. Just enjoy the process. So even if, even if you skip one meal and you know, you're kind of hungry, kind of enjoy that feeling of I'm hungry. I'm doing something good for my body. I have self-control. I'm accomplishing something. I'm successful. And you know, if you plan a three-day fast and you end it in a day, celebrate that success of the day. Don't be like, oh, this sucks. I didn't make it three days. No, you made it 12 hours. And that's that's a great accomplishment. And celebrate that. So kind of enjoy the process. So when you start your fast, don't be like, I, I can't wait till 23 hours and 59 minutes till I can eat again. Just, you know, kind of uh, sit back and relax and, and think about all the good that you're doing for yourself and that how you're you're making yourself better. All right. So that is everything I have to say about fasting, at least today. Again, you know, check out that resource, lowcarbleader.com forward slash fasting. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You know, there's so many great resources out there. I did a podcast a long time ago with Dr. Jason Fung, and it's it's on the website, and he does a great job. I have a YouTube video on it. Interviewed Jimmy Moore, who does fasting all the time. There's just so many great resources out there. But like I said in the past, just pick one and try it, and don't don't try to implement a ton of things at once. Just do one little thing and make it successful. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening to the episode, and make sure you hit subscribe. If you enjoy these episodes, we got some great, great shows coming up in the coming months. So everybody take care and uh, happy fasting. Thank you for being with us today. And we hope that you are on the road to your successful low carb lifestyle. Become a leader in your health and a leader in life. Check us out at www.thelowcarbleader.com. And remember to join Dan again next time on the Low Carb Leader Podcast.